0: Hi, welcome to the Total Fit Boss Chick Podcast. I'm your host, Brittany Parks, and joining me today is E.A. Sulkovitz, founder of Givers University. Now, he started at 16 as a janitor, but by the time he was 23, he was a millionaire. Today, we're going to discuss givers, takers, and fakers, and the seven clever steps to attract more givers. We're also going to discuss how the founder of McDonald's changed EA's life and how it can change yours too. Life is too short, trying to run a business and balance what you love. I'm your host, Brittany Parks, a former corporate marketing drone and certified life coach turned mompreneur who got fed up with the mom guilt that comes from trying to have the perfect work-life balance. Why can't we have a fit life and a fit business? I'm here to make it easier to be your own boss and enjoy your life. Welcome to the show, EA.
1: Thank you so much for having me on your great show. And I look forward to being able to share with your listeners and uh, hopefully a number of great nuggets that they can say, wow, this is really worth listening to and some applicable things, not just sort of fluff info. So thank you so much for having me on here. Your-
0: thank you so much for being here. And I have to just get right into it because I know your time is valuable and we very rarely get an opportunity to have a conversation with someone who had a father who was a milkman that that was 16 and a janitor and turned the whole thing around. So you've got a very interesting background. So without going just way too far back, give us this little bit of how you had this experience with Ray Kroc and how this whole situation changed your life. Can you give us that background?
1: Sure, be happy to. Like you mentioned, I live in Michigan now, but I was born and raised in the Chicagoland area, specifically the greater Oak Brook area. And my father was a milkman back then. Milk was in glass containers and there was a box outside everyone's house that had the milkman money in it. And you know what was funny? No one, not one time, ever touched the money and everyone knew there was money in the milkman box
0: you know I we, always wondered we, really, that really my different has... times not
1: one time that I ever touch the money it was just different times for sure and but very favorable and then at 16 years old I stepped out my first step of becoming prosperous and became a janitor and I didn't mind doing that because business was always picking up what anyway so the at 16 it. years old and <laughs> and Because I was able to be bonded, which means insured, um, I was able to be in expensive businesses. So if my buffer hit some equipment, you know, the insurance would pay for it, etc. That also allowed me to be in really expensive homes as well. And one of the homes I cleaned was of a lady who I would clean her house every single Wednesday, Her name, when I mention it, won't mean anything to your listeners. Until I make the movie reference, then they'll know who I'm talking about. Her name was June Martino. And I cleaned her house every single Wednesday. And it was a million-dollar mansion, actually, back then in the Oak Mm. Brook area, a place called Ginger Creek. And uh, if any of your listeners, it it actually was out a couple years back. It's still available on streaming. Probably will be for some time because it's actually a pretty good view. It's called The Founder. (laughs) Yes. Michael Keaton plays Ray Kroc. Mm -hmm. I wanna mention, I lived the whole experience very intimately and closely. So in the beginning of the movie where it says it's based on a true story, that's true, it is based on a true story, but it's not the true story. There's so much Hollywood spin and Ray Kroc wasn't the way he's painted in the show. That's just Hollywood drama to try to get people involved in the show. Anyway, in the movie, Michael Keaton, Ray Kroc, is constantly talking to this lady outside his office. And he says, June this, June that lady is June Martino. That's the lady whose house I, cleans that I cleaned every single Wednesday. And when I met her, she already had the third most controlling stock, McDonald's. Interestingly enough, she literally was the first woman to ever trade on the floor of the New York Stock Exchange. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, she was an amazing woman. And uh, she one day told me the whole McDonald's story in intimate detail because obviously she lived there. And many of the events that actually are mentioned or nodded to in the movie, she did also mention. And she talked to me about the impact that Ray had on her life and how as a mentor. And, and she never used the word mentor. I didn't know how to spell mentor. I think I'd already spent my hooked-on phonics money on something else. But But she told me that this man had this huge influence on her life and that she believed in him. And I thought, man... If I could just find like a Ray Kroc or someone like that, I'm a janitor, son of a milkman. I don't know how to do this stuff. How do I, I just know I don't know what I need to know. And a couple months later, we got this phone call at the janitorial service and this man was in from Michigan, needed to see some carpeting for a a diamond store he was opening and I went and met him and he offered me a job and he became my mentor. His name was Sam Robbins and he became the father I never had even though I had a father and I became the son he never had even though he had a son. And I didn't know at that time I was genuinely talking to a puritanical genius Hmm. now you know i don't believe in the gene the iq thing i think that's a bunch of baloney i've met too many educated idiots in my life that have all this knowledge and they spew it all back at you but zero application skills they don't know how to apply or implement any of it and so i lovingly and favorably call them educated idiots because they really are they have all the book knowledge they don't know how to turn that into dollars and cents and how to apply it and produce results they just know, know they took some course and read some books right right so this guy was a genuine genius, like the kind of guy that could ask you five or ten questions, look into your eyes, and he had you pegged. He knew your whole life story. To let you know, the most one of the most amazing stories and experiences I had in my life. He told me the story about how he grew up, and you want to talk about having all the odds against you. And that's what I mean, and not a lot to your listeners when they think well, things are bad today, and because of COVID, and because of this, and the economy, and the political situation, and, and you know, money's dried up. All those things. Nothing. Is compared to the story I'm about ready to tell you, and you, your listeners will sure hear that for themselves. My mentor told me about growing up during the Great Depression, and uh, he said he said I witnessed it. He said people were jumping off of buildings because mm. they lost their fortunes. He said multi-mile-long soup kitchen lines, miles long, and uh, and he said for some of our meals, we genuinely ate cardboard. Wow. So let me ask your listeners. Do you think you have it bad? But watch what happened and watch what he did. He walked by every single day, he walked by a store and it was actually a sewing machine store. It had a bunch of sewing machines in it. And there was just the same guy just standing around inside there all by himself. So one day he just walked in because no one had any money, they weren't doing anything. And he started talking with the guy and it turns out he was the owner of the store and then My mentor said, Sam said, he said, I don't see anyone coming to go. And he goes, people are trying to eat. He said, I don't have money for a sewing machine, that's for sure. Then he said, I I can't even afford employees. It's just me and this whole store and all all these paid-for sewing machines. I don't know what I'm going to do. So my business mentor had this flash in his mind. And remember, every, not some, every great enterprise all began with an idea. And I can share with you that the thousand millionaires I interviewed when I had my radio show over two years, I interviewed a thousand millionaires. Every one of them had a time when everything in their life told them to stop, their family, their friends, the politics, everything told them to stop. And they took the next step sometimes even out of curiosity to see if something else could go wrong. And they, some of them even used that word, interesting said, I, I just want to see if anything else could go wrong. Cause I th- I thought I hit all of them. <laughs> they were curious. Is there anything else? Right. And then they took that next step and things started to come together. It was like temporary defeat just exited their life and said, I'm going to go screw up someone else's life. This person doesn't know when to quit. So watch what my business mentor did with this instance. Had this flash of an idea, certainly in very desperate time, more desperate than today for sure. And, uh, he said, uh, would you mind if I helped you sell some of these? The guy goes, what do you have in mind? You better believe it. He said, well, I'd like to, he says, I propose we sell them. He said, I'd like to maybe have people buy them on payments instead of paying for the whole thing. We'll split the payments. I'll guarantee the sewing machine. So if anyone walks on a sewing machine or something, he says, I'll guarantee it. So you'll know you're covered. And the guy says, man, go to it, man, no, problem. do it. They're just here collecting dust. So then he put together a flyer and posted it everywhere for women to work from home. And he said he couldn't even respond to all the responses he received because everyone needed money and no one was hiring. So the fact that anyone was hiring or looking for any way to make money, it was because these people are in multi-mile long soup kitchen lines. He could, said he couldn't even respond. And what he did was he worked out a way for the, for these women to work from home. And he built this huge community of women hmm. that were working from home, sold them sewing machines, gave them the patterns to work from, gave them the materials to work with, guaranteed that he would buy the material and the final clothing made from them, thus guaranteeing their income so that they could pay for the sewing machine and have money left over for food and all the other things everyone needed so badly. Then he turned around and bought the clothing from the women, sold it to stores as Mm. handmade High quality discounted clothing, and then the store sold it to their customers as discounted clothing that was high quality handmade, and everyone needed was looking for value because of the desperate times. In one, mil, in one year's time, during the Great Depression, people are jumping off of buildings, multi mile long soup kitchen lines. He earned one million dollars.
0: Wow wow
1: <laughs> now that's wow. great de- that's great depression money so yes. today that's well over 10 million yeah. so yes i share with your listeners listen to the story think about it play this podcast back a few times and listen look at what he did he looked at each person's individual problems got himself out of the picture and he solved the challenge that the owner of the store had. Then he solved the challenge of the women and formed this huge community of women working together. And then from that, solved the problem of the, the businesses that were not having to sell clothing because it was all cheaply made and here's this high-quality stuff. He solved the problems and challenges for all these people. And as a direct result, he was left at a, with a million dollars in one year's time. So this is the man that taught me about business and taught me about the importance of a community and when i was 19 years old i asked him i said sam will you teach me everything he was multimillionaire so many times over at that point and, and i said just and here i am 19 right Late. i said sam could you teach me everything just te- i don't even know what i don't know just teach it all to me don't hold back and he said okay i will but i want one thing from you he said when the time is right and you will know that time i want you to teach as many people as possible everything I taught you. So at 19 years old, I made an oath. I made a vow to my mentor who passed on decades ago, yet I still feel is looking over my shoulder, making sure I fulfill my oath. Mm -hmm. And that has now what we call giver's university. That's how it came about.
0: Wow. Okay. Okay. So tell us what is a giver and a taker and a faker? Can you give us
1: that background? What is sure. And, and, and it's one of the things he taught me. Again, I'm just going to keep mentioning things that he shared with me. I didn't make up any of this stuff. And that's for your listeners. You know, if they're looking for answers and they feel there's some hole somewhere, get a mentor. Get someone, not someone that says they know how to do it. Make sure that they've done it. There's a big difference between a consultant and an insultant. <laughs> and, and an insultant's going to charge you for their own education they're getting at your expense and now someone that's a consultant or someone that can really teach you or a mentor or someone who has done it and now can say this is what i did these are the lessons i learned these are the mistakes i made here this is and this is the end result of all this now you're coming from a position of strength so the difference one of the things my mentor taught me and what we teach at givers university it's the same thing it's based on all that i didn't make any of it up we teach first of all i say to all you listeners we love everybody I say it emphatically, we love everybody. But we teach people how to separate the person who we love from their deeds which we may not love. And from that... We don't judge people. When we say giver, we're not labeling a person. We're labeling giver deeds. When we say taker, we're not labeling a person. We're labeling taker deeds. So what we do is we teach people a skill set that simply is not being taught today. In a, since April, I've done 150 interviews on different podcasts. And I can tell you, it's been amazing to me that no one is teaching this stuff. A skill set of how do you discern who you should have in your life and who you shouldn't. And, and it was like this... You Interview I did a few back. The guy says, man, this is really great stuff. I read this book. It says I have to have five good people around me. I said, you're right. You need to have five good people. One question, which five? And all of a sudden, there's this blank look on his face. You see my point? I said, no one's teaching us how to discern. What do you look for? How do you do it? So we actually have developed checklists at a very granular level. Broke it down. These are the things. One of them is called the 25 Dues, which we give away. We give away free. I just sent it out a mass mailing again this morning, as a matter of fact, to our weekly newsletter we send out as a free download. We want people to use it. It literally, li- the 25 Deeds, We call them the 25 do's. These are the 25 things you watch for. And when they're doing these 25 things, look, observe. Don't listen to their words. Watch what they're doing. Observe it. It's a skill set like anything Mm -hmm. else watch these deeds and when you watch them discern should I bring them closer into my life and become a part of giving my my giver community or should I begin respectfully not rude or nasty or insensitive should I begin to respectfully distance myself from them because if I bring them closer based on what I'm observing they're going to make me collateral damage and for your listeners think about how many fires you stomp out every day that are not of your making all of those fires have one thing in common There's a name attached. And no one's teaching us how do we discern. And what happens is when we're not stopping out their fires, our stress level goes down. Our productivity goes through the roof because we have learned how to surround ourselves with the right kind of people, as we would say, our givers. Fencers, there's givers, takers, and then fencers. Fencers are the ones that sit on the fence. They act like givers when they're with givers. They act like takers when they're with takers. And they can be great relationships, but you need to manage them. The giver is wired that way. They're doing it right. So we teach people, how to build their own giver community around them because today and for your listeners all of them what do you really have really have we have businesses opening and closing faster than ever before in history we have products being antiquated overnight by brand new products and it's happening faster and faster so what happens for your listener when your product gets antiquated what happens when your product goes out of when your company goes out of business five or six years, assuming it's not yours but someone else's? What do you have left? Relationship. That's the answer. You have relationships. So if you've built great solid relationships and surrounded yourself when the products come and go and the companies come and go, you still have these great relationships that are all around you. That's why they're so critical and so important to build those, as we call giver communities.
0: So what are the seven steps to
1: actually attract more givers? There's uh, three kinds of, uh, we call them givers' juntos. Uh, the word junto is actually, it's a Spanish 1600s, picked up by Benjamin Franklin, 1700s. and 1727, Ben Franklin put together a group of 12 friends. He called it his Mutual Improvement Club, later on the junto and later on the Leather Apron Club. And uh, we teach people how to form one of three different kinds of Junto. So they have their own. How to surround themselves. And I'll go through those seven steps because they're critical. All right, all right. Okay. We have what's called the Greater Junto. Those are people that can be any number worldwide, like Salvation Army would be a good example, or VFW would be a good example. Mm-hmm. Then we have an Insider Junto, which is more like two to 12 members, more of a close-knit group. Closer to Ben Franklin's uh, Leather Apron Club, if you will. And then we have a millionaire Junto, which I had experienced it myself and obviously with my mentor. And then another one would be Henry Ford formed a Junto, which was him, Thomas Edison, Harvey Firestone, John Mm Burroughs. And uh, they were called actually uh, the Four Vagabonds. They named themselves the Four Vagabonds. And these are people that form together for a common purpose. That's what a Junto is. Now, by contrast, I ask your listeners. Have you been in the last maybe couple of years, had someone say, come join our community, come be a part of this, come join? And then when you join the quote unquote community, within hours, they're already starting to tell you, trying to sell you something. Right. That's not a community. Why right. call it that? That's a customer hit list. That's a list. Right? <laughs> call it what it is. Why are you baiting and switching me? Right. And and it's so offensive. And and so many times it's happened to me already. And I unsubscribe, unparticipate. Right? Because they just. I would have rather they just were upfront and said it's a customer prospect list. Here's our products. If you're interested, we can tell you more about it. If not, no problem but why do the bait and switch? It's so offensive. So we teach people today how to build a giver's community around them using these seven steps. And the seven steps spell out the word discern, D-I-S-C-E-R-N. And in the interest of time, I'm just going to hit them real quick. The first one is decide. That's the D. Who are you going to have close to And we actually provide a free, it's a genuine checklist. On one side, it's got givers and the th- 25 things that givers do. And on the other side, it's got the 25 things takers do. And you literally make a check mark by each one as you observe these deeds. And you total it up at the bottom, and there you have it. And And so we help people discern, not by judging people, because we don't judge people, we don't label people, we observe their deeds, and there's a huge difference. We observe their deeds. So number the D is for we teach people and we help them decide. You have to decide. Who do you want around you? Other people just go through, and they're just like a ship without a rudder and welcoming people in their lives, and that's all great and fine and dandy except for what if they're going to make you collateral damage? Then what do you do once they're close to you? you got to bail out, and it's not going to be easy. It usually isn't. So the I in discern stands for you invite those, assuming someone was going to develop their own Junto, which we teach them how to do. They, The second step, I, is to invite them. And we teach them how to invite them. The S is for seed. Explain up front. This is so critical. There's a book called Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon. Mm-hmm. He does a masterful job of explaining what's called the mastermind group. And he explains it because certainly the book goes back into the 50s, if you will. And at that time, that was pretty record pretty new information, if you will. But he doesn't get into how do you do it. He just says, this is what you do and this is what it is. So it was much more uh, macro level, not the hey. micro level. And I've seen many instances, maybe you have two, where a group of people get together. Hey, let's get together. We're going to do a mastermind group. And then within about two months, it just like dissipates and falls apart. And, uh, and I've seen that so many times. So we have determined that one of the things that's so critical, the glue, is to have an expectational agreement up front before we will accept you into our giver's junior, our giver's community, these are the things we expect. These are what we all agree to upfront as an expectational agreement. You can expect this from us, and you can expect this from us. You can expect that we are going to put our, in- and we're gonna put your interests in front of our own, and we're gonna help you in all the different ways of your life. So we guide people through what are those agreements, what should, how do you do that to, to help that become a longevity type of group that's around you that you build uh the c is convene convene on a regular basis weekly monthly ben franklin he they met every friday for a couple hours a a dozen people it could be weekly biweekly, monthly just convene on a regular basis Mm -hmm. e in discern is for established ben franklin called it the leather apron club henry ford the four vagabonds give your group an identity give it a name establish the name if you will that helps a lot with the glue and camaraderie of the group and then r is for rotate we actually provide agendas this is what you cover each week a lot of times they don't know what to do you know what okay we're all like, and then they start staring each other down and twiddling. <laughs> what do we do so we provide them with questions to ask and there's a round table discussion and the r in discern is for rotate each meeting a new person is the chairperson, and we provide them actually an actual agenda of what they should be covering with for all of the people that are in it. Be a part of multiple Juntos. Seed other Juntos. You can be a part of a millionaire Junto, and these are vetted millionaires, and, or they can be an insider Junto, a 2 to 12. And we actually teach them to, number one, they could be a, a founding member and form their own giver's Junto chapter in their own area. There's no cost or anything. We do this because this is a part of the vow and the commitment we have at Giver's University. Or if someone wants to just be connected with another Junto, we will connect them and they can be a member if they don't want to form their own, if you will. But we walk them through these steps. We have, literally on our YouTube channel, we have two-minute clips and there's a, mm-hmm. like a playlist that's called a, How Do I Form My Own Giver's Community Junto, right? And they literally can watch the two-minute clips one after another and it walks them through step by step, here's what you do, here's how you do it, here's why you do it, and here's the benefits you're going to get. Just imagine the power when you are one person and you have 11 other people that have put their interest in front of yours.
0: Wow that and then is you do amazing. the same thing
1: with them and people say that well, sounds so utopian i can share with you it's not huh. utopian because when you have an expectational agreement and can i share one final story just to try to get it in if i can because it's so critical can sure I do that? sure it's one of the most important parts of the giver community in junto and the mindset my mentor because of living I'm literally having cardboard for meals he had diabetes an extreme case if you will took his life earlier way more way earlier than it should have been And one day he came to me, and we were all business partners in many enterprises at that time. And he said, EA, I'd propose something. And I said, okay. And he had one of those twinkles in his eye, and I thought, boy, this is going to be something. I I knew that look. I knew that (laughs) look, right? And he said, I would like to propose that we compete against each other. I said, okay. What, What do you mean? He said, this is what I propose. He said, we have a contest against each other each year and we're gonna compete to see who can make the other one more money, and whoever loses has to buy the other one anything they want, no matter what it is. Wow. (laughs) What? I said, before I agree to this, I to make sure I understand. We're talking about This is is way left field. And I said, let me make sure I understand. Does that mean that next year we're gonna compete? See who can make each other more money than the other one. So that means if you make me more money than I made you, I lose. And because I lost you get to ask me for anything you want and I as a loser have to buy it for you he said "Yep." and I said so the other way around works too though if I win and you lose I get to ask for anything I want and then you have to buy for me he says yeah that's right and I said and I took it I remembered this deep breath (laughs) okay let's do it the first year he beat me so bad it wasn't even funny and I had to which I did happily paid cash for him for a home in Florida. Wow. (laughs) I cashed the house out. Now, I couldn't be mad. I had the money. And he had made me more money than I made him. And I thought, man, I got to figure this out quick. This is going to be brutal. I better figure out that. To... And then I started winning. And then the next year, he bought me a plane. That's when I became a commercial pilot. And then the next year, he actually bought me a limousine. And, a, and I had a full-time valet. And the next year, he bought me a second airplane. And then I realized after the fact, again, he showed me what a genius he really was. Here's what he really did unbeknownst to me. We were equal partners, we both owned 50%. He knew in advance he was not gonna be able to keep up with me physically. I'm in my 30s. So he he knew time-wise and schedule-wise and effort-wise he wasn't gonna keep the pace I could keep. And he didn't want my mind to get goofed up because we were splitting everything 50-50. He wanted me to win. Now, let me ask you, what kind of person thinks of something like this? What kind of person crafts something like that in their mind, playing it forward enough in their mind to know this is inevitable. He's going to, his mind's going to get goofed up. We're splitting 50-50 and I'm not keeping pace. I'm not carrying what I should be carrying. And he wanted me to have that extra thing. He wanted me to have that every single year. And that's why I miss him so much. And we call that, there's a name for that. We call that the giver's contest intention. The giver's contest intention is the single intention that every Giver's Junto member must agree to upfront before they can be let in. They have to agree to it upfront and that means that I am going to compete against the other 11 to have them benefit more than I do. And if they all, if there's an expectational agreement in place, this is upfront agreement. And if you're off the rails, we're going to talk about it. And then if it's not a good fit, no problem. God bless you. We'll get someone else. No problem. We're not, we're not disappointed. We're not unhappy. It's not for everyone. But that what we call the giver's contest intention. Think about the power of 11 people around you competing to give you more than you're giving them. And every one of them are each doing the exact same thing. I can share with you. It works but you need to do it right. You need to have the commitments up front. They need to know what, what's expected and then watch it because it's incredible.
0: Wow, that is amazing. Okay, so EA, you also have this huge background of multiple other things that you, like scuba diving to martial arts. How did you have time to create this empire, yet still have time to focus on
1: you and growing yourself and hobbies? Thank you. And that's an interesting question and a great question. First, again, I have to defer back to the power of a mentor. These are things I wanted to do. And and I just said, I'm just going to do this. And my mentor taught me. I saw it. He was my mentor. I learned from June Martino with the whole Ray Kroc thing with McDonald's. I simply went out and found people. I said, I want to become an advanced scuba diver. I just don't want to be advanced a scuba diver. I want to be an advanced one. So I found someone who specialized in search and rescue, working for the, like the police department and fire department, that kind of thing. And a very advanced one in search and rescue. He taught me how to scuba dive and be an advanced diver. Why? He had done it. The same thing with becoming a commercial pilot. I, I learned from the best pilots and, and people that learned and taught me how to squeak that plane right in and and not just what we call the brick three approach where the old any landing you can walk away from is a good one right (laughs) so learning from people who have done it and observing them and saying can i really say they're the best or among the best if not i need to keep looking and find that person and strive for the balance in your life strive for it because the giver's scale of life is never out of balance my mentor said picture this big scale This is how this works. On the right side, all the things you're gonna get in life. On the left side, all the things you're gonna give and contribute. The scale is never out of balance. So forget about the right side and what you're gonna get and give to everyone else and heave as much as you can on that left side of the scale with no thought of the right side. Try to get the scale out of balance. That's your goal, get it out of balance because it won't be out of balance and you'll always get everything back. And that has to do with life too. We can give to ourselves, and so many people don't. They are so interested in taking care of the business of the king, if you will. They're not taking care of the king. Which, in that instance, as an entrepreneur, is then they're the king. And and so they're caught up in the day-to-day business that they don't pull that step back and look and say, today, when I put my head down on my pillow, did I have my best day ever? And that's why we say at Cambridge University, when I, we don't say just have a good day. I don't believe in that. I don't. T- I say that to people, I always end the same way. I say, have your best day ever. And that includes all parts of our lives, your family, your social, your business, all of it. Have your best day.
0: Beautiful. I love it. Oh my goodness. This is so inspirational. And guys, if you needed some inspiration, this could this is it this is it we've all gone through so many different things and ea your stories i could listen to forever and i know that our listeners <laughs> could you. as well and y- you also have one thing that i'd love to dig in a little deeper there was something I heard on another interview, they didn't get a chance to go into it, but they wanted to go into it. So I don't know what it is. I'm trying to ask you the question that I don't even know to ask. There was something, was there a mistake or was there something that actually happened that you grew from?
1: I can tell you there's I have what I call my three temporary defeats. And each one caused me to write a book so my butt wasn't in that position again. And, and even while being mentored. And the first two were, were betrayals in business, if you will. Why? I didn't have the right people around me. I needed to learn how to discern more. And fortunes came and went and came and went oh, through my whole life. Uh, and the last one was government related. And I gotta tell you, it was just brutal. as a 10 year battle. And all again, because I had the wrong people around me and I wasn't discerning. And, uh, and, and I actually, teach all three of those things through the get we have a course at uh, in Givers University called give to be great. And the give to be great course actually is the first course is called the givers mindset. The second is the givers lifestyle. and is givers lifelong learning. Through those three courses, I teach my three biggest major defeats why they happened how they happened, and the details of them. And they were Political betrayals, business betrayals, and each one of them is a story that certainly would be longer than this podcast. And then once in a while, I'll do one of the stories just for the heck of it to help people learn, but on how unexpected things, but it all really always came down to the one thing. So all of it's never been perfect. It's never been great. In fact, what has been perfect is that I only had one superpower. One, I had the ability to say, I don't know about that. Could you teach me? Right. Where everyone else today wants to have preeminence, and they all want to be the smartest person in the room. And I was just the opposite. I was the one saying, I'm not. And I've always believed if you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. There's nothing to be learned there. And who needs the ego trip, right? You can't pay the bills with ego. And there was three separate instances. The first one, just to say it, just to get it out there. Because there's a lesson to be learned in it, right? Years ago, they had this thing called a a voice actuating machine. It was an answering machine that sat on your desk before things were all, you know, digital. And on one side, there was a cassette tape that had your outgoing message on the right side was an incoming message tape that was about 60 minutes long and mine was voice actuated meant as long as someone was leaving me a message on the phone my machine would keep recording as long as they talked so I left home for about an hour and a half came back and an hour and I was only gone for like an hour and a half and a whole 60 minute tape had been used up I said oh, some kids got a hold of it they did once in a while and they just keep they play on it because they knew it was, they figured it was recording It wasn't And boy, was I in for shock. My business partner at the time, not my mentor. I was being mentored, but it's a totally separate person. We owned a training company at the time, very prosperous, numerous offices in the Chicagoland area, doing very well. He was calling me and leaving me a message for me to call him back. And back then, when someone was on the phone, there was this tone in the background when someone was calling them to let them know someone's calling you, even though you're talking to someone else. And it was like, beep. And I could hear that tone in the background in the recording because he just left me a short message, give me a call back. He hit his receiver on his phone so fast, it put his phone on call conferencing with my phone, and my machine recorded the whole conversation with him and someone else, and I wasn't even home. So a three-way call. (laughs) It was a three-way call. (laughs) And here's the thing. The call was about the details of the plan of how they were going to kick me out of the company and take it over. Wow. The plan. Now, and let me tell you, it's something else. When you hear it in their own words, it's not third party. You're hearing them say it. And I thought, oh my God, what am I gonna do? I just, I, I couldn't believe this thing. I'm hearing the whole plan. And what was amazing was the conversation was almost exactly an hour. I thought, man, what are the odds of this? And he could have called me when I was home and I would have picked up. The guy didn't have to call him at that time. He called at that time. They didn't have to have that conversation. They could have talked about golf. Why that conversation with the actual plan? So needless to say, I, I told him that after a sleepless night and deep, digging deep inside, obviously a, a feeling a, a deep level of betrayal, you know, and I went into my training that my business mentor taught me, and I told him the next day, I said, Jim, you need to buy me out, which I knew was going to basically ruin his plans. I knew the whole plan, and uh, here's what's interesting. He did buy me out. And we within a week, we'd already separated at that point And I was going to do it anyway. I didn't even want to be around the guy. I felt like I needed a flea dip every time I was in the room with him. <laughs> and, and so I had that feeling when you're around someone. <laughs> yeah. I, oh, my God. So here's what's interesting. One year later, I saw him at an amusement park. And I was at an angle. So I saw him, and he didn't see me. But I knew it was him. I, mean, I knew who my partner was. And he was close enough. It was clear it was him. I had already heard in 12 months' time, he had filed for personal bankruptcy, closed the company that he quote unquote, wanted to take over, had no one working for him anymore, filed for divorce and had gotten divorced. And I'm looking at him and it looked like he had aged 20 years. Wow. All in one year. And that year I earned more money than I ever had at any other point in my life. And the reason why was my business mentor said two things. Number one, don't cry over spilt milk. When the milk is broke, you go buy yourself another gallon. Why Mm -hmm. are you going to cry over it? Clean it up, throw it away, get a new gallon. That's Right. right. And the other thing he taught me, which was so important, he said, never allow your emotions to rule your intellect. And let me tell you, that sleepless night was tough. That was tough. It was highly emotionalized in my mind. And he taught me, he said, in the medical community, if a patient is responding to something, it's a good thing. If they're reacting to something, it's not a good thing. It's not a good treatment. And he said, so when your intellect is controlling your emotion, you are responding. Mm. when your emotions are controlling your intellect you are reacting and nothing good's gonna come out of that he said learn how to respond learn it's a skill how to have your intellect control your emotions that's what i did and that's what saved me that next day and i'll tell you what the second story is way more dramatic than the first one and the third major temporary defeat is the grand poobah of all of them but in every instance i learned more and got more when i came back and the world loves a comeback kid and and there's something to be said about this and it always came down to the three words in closing if i can with your those in your audience and that is The three things my mentor taught me to say every day. And it helped me through my major temporary defeat. And there were three big ones. Each one bigger than the last. And it helped me through the good times and the not so good times. Because you're going to have that in your life. You're going to get tackled a thousand times. No one gets to not do that. It is, right? right? These are the three things he taught me. And I said them. He talked me into saying them every day of my life. And I have for over four decades. These are the three things I say over and over again. I will never give up. I will keep rising and I will always overcome.
0: Beautiful. That was going. I was actually going to ask you, what would you say on a worldwide billboard as the mentoring moment? And you gave us a wonderful mentoring moment. That Thank you so much. Thank you You're so welcome. much. EA, everyone will want to know how to get in touch with you. Now I'm going to have your information in the show notes, but let us know your favorite way to get in touch with you.
1: Just go to our website, giversuniversity.com. It's plural, giversuniversity.com. On And there's, they can subscribe to our newsletter. It's absolutely free. There's no cost. We don't spam people. I hate that I subscribe to something and all of a sudden I'm getting six emails a day from them unsubscribing. They're gonna get an email right away. It says, do you wanna communicate with these people? Cause we're not spammers. And so they have to say yes. And then right away, they're gonna start getting, they'll get a couple of downloads right away because we want them to have them immediately. They're free, there's no cost. First one is the six arrows that takers shoot at givers. It's an actual checklist. A couple days later, they're going to get another one absolutely free. That's called the 25 Dues. That's that checklist I mentioned on how do you decide who you want to have close to you. And then after that, every Thursday morning, we have a small newsletter literally a four or five-minute read, usually a two-minute little video clip in there that helps them. It's called the Giver's Toolbox. So they can get a new relationship tool. They can add to their toolbox, their relationship toolbox every single week. And from that, they'll learn about us. They can contact us They'll learn about our courses. All that little by little as we just share with them because we're nurturers and we're givers. We have to live up to our name. And listeners who maybe have someone being, let's say, takerish in their life, they should have them listen to this podcast. It's one of the best ways as a third party to say, I heard this great podcast. It was was very thought-provoking. And do me a favor, listen to it. and Let me know what you think. You never know. Their mind may open, and they may start to become a little more giverish and a little less takerish, and we all benefit when that happens around us. Thank you for having me so much on your show. Thank
0: you so much. Thank you. As always, thanks for listening. And if you got value out of the show, please show us some love, and rate us by going to ratethispodcast.com backslash total fit boss chick. You're listening to the Total Fit Boss Chick Podcast. Bye for now.